Hello Nickelodeon fans and welcome to This Week in Nickelodeon History where we're covering every Nickelodeon show that started or ended between the times of October 10th and October 16th. I am your host Captain Eric and uh, and welcome to another edition of just a more more relaxed version of this show. Uh, I, I do a lot of editing and putting a lot of energy into pretty much every project and, and not that I don't want to put an energy into this but I, I want to put in a different kind of energy. I want to be able to relax, uh, talk about some of these things, reflect, and I, I just feel like at the next gear for, for most projects. And uh, and sometimes, you know, even when you have a really nice car and you want to fly down the highway at 100 miles per hour, it's also nice to throw on cruise control and just and just let that let that baby ride for a little bit at a nice speed. Um, and just enjoy your surroundings, and and that's kind of what I what I want to evolve this show into. Just uh, a more relaxed feel, more down to earth. Uh, we're we're covering Nickelodeon, um, and and sometimes I might want to talk about other things that are connected, but it'll all stem back. I promise. Uh, I'll never bring up anything um, beyond the uh, the slate ahead. Uh, but we're starting out with something that premiered two years ago on October 14th, 2019. We had the premiere of the Casa Grandes, uh, uh, based off of characters created by Chris Savino. This show was developed by Michael Rubiner and Miguel Puga. Um, th this show is a spinoff of The Loud House, taking characters, uh, Ronnie Ann, who was established in The Loud House as a friend of Lincoln Loud, um, and this character would eventually move to the city and move in with her, her family, the Casa Grandes. This, like, that idea is so classic of television. It's as classic of television as you can get the idea of the spinoff. Um, not, not thinking in Planet Sheen where, you know, it's, uh, the you know original show has ended. Okay, we're gonna take one of those characters. Like that's an, one idea of the spinoff. But what I'm talking about is even beyond that. It's classic. If you ever want to go down a rabbit hole online, if you're especially if you're young, go down the rabbit hole of the All in the Family extended universe and the amount of spinoffs off of spinoffs, off of spinoffs that would all sometimes be concurrently live on television. And it's different than Planet Sheen, where the original show ended and they're continuing the uh, the concept. The Casa Grandes is ongoing while the Loud House is still going. They literally took a character that was introduced on one show, spun it off. Both shows are still going. Uh, that, that's been done since you know, back from all in the family and, and has just ballooned off. You would have characters where they were neighbors that were then spun off to other shows, the Jeffersons. You would then have characters from the Jeffersons spin off to their own shows that would become wildly successful. And it like spider webs off into a crazy level. And I, I think even to this day, you could trace 
shows that are somehow still in this universe. I, I, I haven't gotten that far, but uh, maybe I will. But yeah, the Casa Grande is still going sh- strong. It's been renewed for a third season. Um, uh, congratulations to, to both shows of The Loud House and The Casa Grandes. I mean, The Loud House on its own has been a wild success for Nickelodeon and has shown that um, beyond SpongeBob, and a lot of shows have been very popular beyond SpongeBob, but uh, it was able to show that even beyond those shows that another show could explode uh, to a level comparable somewhat to SpongeBob. Um, but it's it's remained popular. It's gotten a movie. It's gotten live action movie. It has a successful spinoff. And I think that part right there is indicative to the success of the entire franchise. You have two successful shows going on, and the spinoff is as successful as the original. That's just fantastic. So congratulations to every team who has worked on any of those shows. Like, fantastic work. I I have not delved into the Casa Grandes. I've not delved into the Loud House. Everything I've seen has been clips online. I've seen some episodes um, when they've released, like, full episodes. When I was teaching... It was around the time that The Loud House was getting really popular, so I was shown an episode or two, um, and it did, you know, give off a a very, like, hey, this feels very Nickelodeon. It feels right at home. Like, I, it it wasn't a show that I would look at and say, I I could see that on another channel. No, it it felt like Nickelodeon, so um, congratulations to all those shows, and and it's something I I hope to kind of dive into one of these days, but we're moving on to the, uh, another show that is two years old on October 11th. 2019, the revival of Are You Afraid of the Dark premiered on Nickelodeon. Um, Man, Are You Afraid of the Dark is... I'm a big fan of horror, and when you become a fan of that franchise, uh, that uh, that genre of film, you can always find an early point in your life, something you watched that you were like, ooh, I'd like to see more of that. Um, Are You Afraid of the Dark is probably the earliest thing I can think of in my life that I would have watched on television that would have shown me anything scary and I enjoyed it I love are you afraid of the dark I love the original series uh, I here's the thing I have not watched either of the revival movies but and I can prove this I've purchased both of them on DVD I've supported I've supported the are you afraid of the dark project like that's the best I can um, other than watching it, but money speaks. So I, I have bought both DVDs. It is October. Uh, there's, I have more than enough time that I can, I can watch both of those. So, um, possibly as a, as a YouTube extra, as a review of some sort. Um, but we're moving on to Nickelodeon's, uh, another uh, Halloween centric film, Liar, Liar, Vampire, which premiered six years ago on October 12th, 2015. Um, I've never seen the movie. Uh, the one notable Nick star that I can point out, Breck Bessinger, who uh, was from Bella and the Bulldogs and is now, I think, Stargirl on the CW, uh, which I, I heard is doing pretty successful over there. I, and I wouldn't expect any less from the Arrowverse uh, if that is a part of it. But um, yeah, I've not seen Liar, Liar, Vampire. Uh, I, I don't know. There's so many of those just... It's it's the same thing. Like Even if you grew up with Disney Channel original movies, um, the, the movies being made are kind of for the kids at the time. So 
yeah, like I'm not gonna watch a lot of new stuff I, it, unless unless there's some sort of an appeal that appeals to me. Point, case in point, Legends of the Hidden Temple, the TV movie. Hey, it's based on a game show I used to watch. You, you, you've, you got me in the door. I'll, I'll watch a movie. Um, but if it, liar, liar, vampire. If it's worth watching, if, if something has good word of mouth, and it's, it's just like, hey, it's on a streaming service. Absolutely, let me know. If, if liar, liar, vampire is worth checking out, absolutely, let me know. Um. Seven years ago, on October 22nd, 2014, NFL Rushone uh, ended its run on Nicktoons Network, an entire cartoon based off of football and NFL's name branding and the branding of the, uh, I don't know, some NFL teams and, and I imagine whatnot. Uh, yeah, it had three seasons of 65 episodes, uh, two... Tw 22 short-length episodes, one television movie, and 42 full-length episodes. Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of NFL rush shown. Uh, we, we talked about this not too long ago, right in the uh, beginning of September there. Um, I, I obviously haven't seen much since, but um, the concept's interesting. And, and Nickelodeon and the NFL have had a great relationship, and it's only getting better to the point that there, there may just be NFL games live on Nickelodeon moving forward which you know what in in this world of uh content you know constantly clashing and like hey uh, it's worth trying something new it could be something totally worth getting into but uh yeah then you can see the early tracings of their relationships even beyond this tv show but hey they made an entire cartoon with one another that's that's something to say all right, seven years ago, on October 13th, 2014, Blaze and the Monster Machines premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Jeff Borkin and Ellen Martin, the show uh, is still running, and it's uh, had six seasons, and it's had 108 episodes. Uh, it, it's concept, think of, of Pixar's cars, but they're monster trucks. Now, it's has nothing else beyond the fact that it's sentient vehicles. That's what I was getting at. Nothing else. There, there's no no other similarities as far as I know. I, there could be stuff in the show, but I have not seen anything but, um, you know, some footage and whatnot. Uh, but, hey, it, it's still running strong. Good for all the, the team over there. Keep on trucking. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, since we're on the topic of monster trucks, um, why has there not... Shout out to Grave Digger, by the way. He's been going strong for for a couple decades. Uh, why why has there not been a Reptar monster truck? Has that never been brought up? Can somebody like somebody out there please listen to this audio, send it out to Ret. There's got to be an artist out there who can draw this up. Um, what a cool concept that would be if they had like a Monster Jam. I don't know, nineties night and they brought out all the all the monster trucks from the nineties, maybe the eighties, nineties, whatever that era, whatever other trucks you can think of. Uh, uh, I only have Gravedigger on the top of my head, and I know of a few other trucks, but I don't want to say them because they're probably from the wrong era. But you know what I mean. And then you have the, you know Reptar come out and just destroy some cars. That would just be that would be cool. That'd be great. Um, yeah, shout out uh, shout out to Monster Jam there. Totally different company. <laughs> Uh, next up, we are uh, covering something that premiered eight years ago on October 14th, 2013, The Thundermans. 
uh, premiered on Nickelodeon. The show was created by Jed Springer and ran for four seasons of 98 episodes. Uh, it was a sitcom about a superhero family. Now, a lot of people, and, and myself included, have brought up the fact that Nickelodeon was very successful in, in that they were had two ongoing superhero sitcoms both running at the same time and both doing very well and very popular you would think that there would be some kind of burnout but i think the i think both shows did the superhero thing so wildly different that uh you know it just it worked out in the end that that was just the thundermans had the entire family dynamic um the idea that one sibling would want to go evil um, where Henry Danger was, you know, dealing with one kid's life being a superhero. So they're two different shows just dealing with a concept. Um, you, you, and they look, they ran successfully. You don't even need to ponder whether or not that's possible. It is. Uh, this show also had the character of Dr. Colosso, a former supervillain uh, who has been transformed into that of a rabbit. And lives in the evil siblings, uh, you know, like evil lair and is, you know, kind of just there to offer advice and, and live as a rabbit. But he's voiced by Dana Schneider, uh, Master Shake of Aqua Teen Hunger Force and many other projects. But I, I absolutely adore Dana Schneider. So um, when this was on television, a lot of the clips I saw were of Dr. Colosso and even on the the episode where Dana Schneider actually got to play him live in person. And I'm sure it's happened a few times. Um, but yeah, show ran for an ex a very uh, long amount of time. I, I wish they would have given this show just, uh, come on, it was at 98 episodes. You could do a double length special to cap it at a hundred. Like you, you could easily do that. I think, I think there's reason enough to come back to these characters at some point for a special. I, I, I would, I would, I'm not sure many would disagree. It, it's, it's got its fans out there, right? Speaking of fans, fantastic segue, by the way, totally unplanned. But if you know where this is going, um, 12 years ago on October 12th, 2009, Fanboy and Chum Chum premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Eric Robles, the show Fanboy and Chum Chum actually originated from a short known as Fanboy that first aired on Random Cartoons, Nickelodeon's, you know, newest iteration of Oh Yeah Cartoons, another um, assortment of shorts by Fred Cyber and Frederator Incorporated. Random Cartoons actually premiered on Nicktoons Network instead of the uh, main Nickelodeon channel. Uh, the initial short, Fanboy, premiered on August 14th, 2009 and was an instant hit. Uh, Fanboy and Chum Chum would later premiere on October 12th, 2009. And, and honestly, Fanboy and Chum Chum have had a nice little roller coaster ride uh, in terms of, of its popularity in the eyes of fans uh i saw the show when it initially dropped and there were some you know really funny jokes there were some really annoying moments but to me it just still gave off that nickelodeon charm like hey this is this still feels like nickelodeon to me um but apparently a lot of people didn't seem to feel that way and thought certain things didn't i don't know belong or whatever angered them, uh, but it ran for two seasons, and 
eventually, you know, just saw its way off of Nickelodeon and out of the public consciousness. Over time, though, and I think with time, Fanboy and Chum Chum has aged like fine wine. Uh, and I, I, I do believe a video by Nintendo really helped with this ordeal. He put together uh, a nice little video um, essay, kind of just about his experience watching through Fanboy and Chum Chum, uh, pointing out the moments that he also didn't like, but we're also to, to point out that, hey, if you stick with this show, there's a lot to like. And, and I think a lot of its charm is in its animation and its writing and its characters. There, there's a lot to like with this show. Um, if you watched one episode that you maybe it just wasn't your thing, I mean, you could point to any, you could point to the biggest TV shows in the world and there's still going to be an episode out there that people don't like. Don't let one episode, you know, shuffle you away. Uh, I, I do think there's there's a lot to like here and, and it's going to just, hey, it, like I've already said, it's aged like fine wine. It's only going to age better. Fifteen years ago, on October 13th, 2006, the Upside Down show premiered on Noggin. Noggin, as we've mentioned a few times, is the is the spinoff channel of Nickelodeon that deals with all of their preschool content. Uh, Noggin is its own channel that runs from, I believe, like 4 or 5 a.m. all the way till about 5 or 6 p.m., then then Noggin turns into the N, where they put on more, a, a, not adult content, but aimed more to a teenager, older demographic, because they figure, hey, preschoolers are probably in bed at this moment, um, and, and they make sure the content's there for when, you know, kids are awake and whatnot. Um, during On this channel, Nickelodeon did a, a lot of work with Sesame Workshop. Now, not Nickelodeon themselves, but Noggin as their own uh, company, Noggin LLC. So they, they did a lot of work with the Sesame Workshop. So this was one of those efforts between those two companies, the Upside Down Show. 17 years ago, on October 11th, 2004, The Backyardigans premiered on Nickelodeon. Created by Janice Burgess, The Backyardigans ran for four, four seasons of 80 episodes uh, and finished its run all the way on July 12th, 2013. The Backyardigans is uh, another preschool show from Nick Jr. that um, has just blown up with new life uh, in in both nostalgia, but on the internet, think about that, 17 years ago, so the kids watching Backyardigans as preschoolers are turning adults now. That is that is incredible. Uh, my brother was, was born in 2004 and is, is about to, hey, he's about to be 18 years old. Like, so here we are like this is now this is a good point in time for the Backyardigans to be popular again. And, and you know, look, I can't deny it. The level of music, the effort that was put into the music of this show, um, I, I think goes above and beyond what we expect for preschool content. Uh, I think when most people think of preschool songs, they think of really simple songs. And these are simple songs, but they're also beautifully complex and I don't know, it just I don't know, it's just musical composition if if that's the right way I'm thinking about it. But either way, they they've had a lot of good songs uh from the backyardigans that have 
cropped up in various memes around the world that you've seen different videos um a lot of just relaxing music uh and that's the one thing that backyardigans are, are going to be truly remembered for is the absolute wonderful music and and i think the characters as well um are just so simply iconic themselves and I, I think as time goes on, they're, they're going to continue. I, I think there's still room for the Backyardigans uh, in, this, in this day in life. Uh, and, and I think with new musicians, I mean, imagine listening to the Backyardigans. How, how many kids out there listened to the Backyardigans as kids and are making music right now, putting it out on SoundCloud, YouTube, Spotify? Come on. So imagine now being a kid growing up in that music making music and you know kind of like that or you you've found some inspiration from the backyardigans and then you could be hired to write new music for the backyardigans that's that's pretty cool Let, let's let's dive back into that 22 years ago on october 16th 1999 the amanda show premiered on Nickelodeon, created by Dan Schneider, The Amanda Show uh, ran for three seasons of 46 episodes, a spinoff of sorts of all that. This took Amanda Bynes, who uh, you know started her, her sketch comedy run on all that, um, and, and then just ballooned in, in so much popularity that made, it was only smart to give her her own show because... Keenan and Kel got their own show. That proved to be popular. Why not Amanda? Uh, the Amanda show proved to be just as popular in its own right um, and and featured a slew of other guest stars, two of which, Drake Bell and Josh Peck, would go on to create Drake and Josh. And you can keep going with that chain. Um, still felt to this day through the iCarly revival on Paramount+. Plus. But um, yeah, uh, uh, I just want to say as, as far as Amanda... Bynes is concerned. Uh, my only uh, I, feelings on her, I I love the comedy that she was able to produce at the ages that she was at. Um, I appreciate the laughs that gave me. She holds a warm place in my heart. And all I hope is that wherever she is, whatever she's doing, um, I, I I hope she's happy. That's it. It's a very simple desire I really have for anybody who uh, who was special to me in that kind of way. Um, think you know, sit back and think about you know. It, we can go into that conversation another time, but um, I, I she's been through a lot, and I just want her happy. Uh, so yeah, the show three seasons, an absolute wonderful show. Some of my favorite uh, sketches. When I think of like Nickelodeon sketch comedy, actually comes from the Amanda Show, uh, Block Blister, in which the whole joke is that they poorly recreate movies and people keep renting from this terrible movie store. You'd think word of mouth would go around the town a bit quicker. That like, hey, if you rent a movie from this store, it's just these people uh, sweeting the movie themselves. Because um, that was the whole joke. If you've never seen it, uh, Block Blister. Is a sp I gotta actually explain what Blockbuster is. This is a sad day. Um, for those that don't know, Blockbuster was a store that you could walk into and you would be able to rent a movie because you didn't have phones or internet at your house. You had players to play movies, so you you know you either bought it at, at a store or you went to this place to rent. And renting was cheap. It was like ninety nine cents for a night or even a dollar or two. Um, 
if you had guests over, or, you know, it was it was a very cheap option. And renting is still an option in this day and age, streaming wise, and even those who go to Redbox. But if you do travel to a Redbox, uh, that's the same kind of feeling that you'd have a, at a Blockbuster, except you're going into a really cool building and Redbox, you're just standing in front of an ATM. Um, now, uh, so Block Blister was uh, the idea of sweeting is that these characters that all th spoke in very thick European accents um, would basically, instead of sell or, you know, put out movies that people could rent, they would, you know, set up a camera in their back room and get in poorly made costumes and, like, you know, like, do the movie just terribly, like, standing in front of the camera. Like, think of the worst actors in the world trying to, like, explain how a movie works. And then they would put the movie on the shelf and people would come in. And the whole joke is that somebody would come in. Hey, I rented Jurassic Park and and this isn't Jurassic Park. And they'd be like, what? No, no, no. You didn't rent Jurassic Park. You, you. And they would put the tape in and they would all watch it. And the people, of course, because they're the actors on the television, they would love the movie. So that was one popular sketch. My other one, Judge uh, the Judge Judy uh, spinoff sketch, Judge Trudy in which Amanda would play Judge Trudy. Um, if you've never watched Judge Judy, that's a that's a whole other topic in and of itself, but uh, daytime judge shows are a whole genre. There's so many of them. Um, judge Judy is by far the most famous of them. Uh, the one thing I loved about the sketch is that inevitably she just had this moment where the she would bring in the dancing lobsters. I don't know why, just that being a part of that sketch was always funny to me, but the dancing lobsters were all over the Amanda show themselves. So, uh, they're, they're some of my favorite Nickelodeon characters and it's something super simple. You can kind of throw in as a concept anywhere. You just throw in a, a, a costumed lobster and it's a, Hey, it's an Amanda show reference. Uh, so yeah, Drake Bell, Josh Peck got their young start here. They were both very good character actors at a very young age. They showed extreme promise and they showed so much chemistry with one another that um, when you were watching this show, I mean, it was kind of like you knew that these characters were, were meant for more and everything they gave us in Drake and Josh was, was everything we knew they, uh, they could do. Um, also, also, 22 years ago, on uh, October 16th, 1999, 100 Deeds for Eddie McDowd premiered on Nickelodeon. The show was created by Stephen H. Berman, Mitchell Catlin, and Nat Bernstein and ran for three seasons of 40 episodes. The show revolved around this bully named Eddie McDowd, um, who... Uh, let's see. Uh, eventually bullies a uh, kid after school and is caught by uh, some kind of like mystical guy and is punished for his bullying ways and has to live life as a dog. And in order to be restored as a human, he must achieve 100 good deeds. Uh, eventually he lives with the bully that that uh, he doesn't live with the bully. He is the bully. Uh, he lives with the kid that he was bullying uh, who helps him achieve these these deeds that we never uh, unfortunately get to see now in the first season of this show seth green known for the austin powers movies robot chicken 
Uh, Family Guy, uh, he voiced Eddie McDowd, but then he was voiced by Jason Harvey in seasons two and three. Uh, Jason Doring played Eddie McDowd as a human, and I think it's it's kind of a shame that we didn't really get a, a more proper ending to this show. Um, they, they did a smart thing between seasons, and uh, and obviously there was going to be a time jump, and I think they took advantage of that and pushed through the amount of deeds he was going through um, because through the 40 episodes, he got through 60 deeds. So, um, I mean, they could have done a, they could have done a bit, you know, even if Nickelodeon for their last show, like, Hey, uh, we're, we're not renewing the show for a fourth season, but you know, is there even like the thing with the Thundermans? Can, can you, we give you, we'll give you two, two extra episodes at the end of this season to wrap things up, you, you know? Something like that, especially with a story like this, you're going to invest three seasons into this show. Now, granted, they I guess they could have done something for that finale, but um, I, who knows what was going on? Maybe they didn't know. Maybe they were on the fence of, of getting a fourth season and then, bam, it just turned on them. But, um, you know, hey, I imagine he got to 60. Eventually he got to 100. He got to get his human body back. And then and then Eddie got to live life as a, a revised human being, not being a bully. Um I, that See, that's an interesting... They should go back to that concept in some way, shape, or form. 25 years ago, on October 11th, 1996, Kablam! premiered on Nickelodeon, created by Robert Mittenthal, Will McRobb, and Chris Viscardi. Kablam! is... Oh, it's... It, how do I explain this in the best way possible? Kablam! is, is kind of like Kablam! It's its own thing. It's a concept of a variety show of of animation for kids. There are multiple ongoing shorts that air through Kablam and are told through the pages of a comic book hosted by the hosts of Kablam, Henry and June, uh, two comic book characters who turn the pages of Kablam that bring us these these new kind of cartoons. Um, it, there was a nice little round robin amount of cartoons we got. Not every episode of Kablam, Kablam featured the same few shorts. Sometimes they would feature brand new shorts that would be around for a couple episodes and then wouldn't be seen again. Um, but but when you got shows like Sniz and Fondue, uh, which was classic animation, Action League Now, which was stop motion animation, but also still shots of of action figures and then slight moving off camera. It was a whole Action League Now is its whole thing. You got to look that up. Uh, Prometheus and Bob, which was full on stop motion animation. Life with Loopy, which was uh, stop motion animation with cardboard cutout. Uh, looking characters instead of Prometheus and Blob, Bob, Blob, uh, yeah, with clay, yeah, blobs, blobs of clay. Um, you know, you also had, you know, Angela Anaconda and, and others that, you know, aired like once or twice on Kablam, just, hey, you featured something new. It was a variety show of animation. And that was the thing, like, I, I don't see how in its four seasons of Kablam, with the amount of different kinds of content I can't imagine any person not being able to watch the show and find one of those shorts that they more than like, like, all right, I really like this. This is pretty funny. There's so many different writing styles, so many different kinds of humor, so many different kinds of comedy being shown to us. Um, it's it's a lot to take in. And, and the fact that it's on Paramount Plus, not sponsored here, 
um, I was able to binge watch a few seasons of Kablam and and it's a it's a trip. It's a ride. It's it's a great show. It's it stands the test of time. Uh, I hope it's in its entirety on Paramount Plus and not messed up because I know that there was a lot of issues with releasing it and we never got really any DVDs or any real, I mean, there might be like one of those rare like VHS releases of Kablam or some sort of preview, you know, tape out there that I don't know of. But, uh, but yeah, there was like issues with that getting released, but yeah, definitely check out Kablam when you can. Uh, but, uh, we're ending this episode seven, 27 years ago on October 15th, 1994, my brother and me premiered on Nickelodeon. Um, ran for one season of 13 episodes and was created by Ilunga Adele and Calvin Brown Jr. Um, I, I've heard some people, uh, I remember seeing the intro of this show, honestly, more on Nickelodeon than the show itself. A lot of sitcoms at the time that this was on, I was just at such a young age that if it didn't really, uh, uh, you know, if I didn't like what I was watching almost immediately, I would just turn the channel. So uh, my attention span was so thin. So, but I've heard of people who have fond memories of this show that that it was good. Um, it's only a 13 episode show, so I, it might be something I could I could bang out. Uh, you know, when I'm getting a lot of editing done, and and I usually like having some something running with uh, and watching. So. Uh, I don't know. If you're a fan of this show, my brother and me, please speak up. Let me know. Is this a show worth diving into? Uh, but with that, that is This Week in Nickelodeon History. Thank you for joining me. I truly appreciate your time because you know, time is is worth its weight in gold. So um, uh, if there's any way, if you enjoy any of the content that I produce and there is any way that you see fit in supporting me, by all means, you do you. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming aboard this week. Uh, if you enjoy this, uh, you know, just a bit more relaxed version of this week in Nickelodeon history, or you have ideas on how this show can uh, evolve, uh, I'm, I'm here with you. Like, let's let's do this together. Uh, but that is this week in Nickelodeon history. We'll see you next week. Stay safe out there. On the Lord of Hibernick, on the Lord of Hibernick, Nick, Nick, on the Ricky Tiggy Low, while living number one, Nickelodeon.